0: creators, welcome to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and we explore the lives of prominent creatives. Today is Friday, June 15th, 2018, and I'm your host, Nick Goodner, here with me today all the way from just outside the Maha City, Ross Montgomery. Hello. And to his right, my left, Emily Cummins.
1: Hey, guys.
0: Guys, we're back. We are. Woo-hoo. We're back. We've been off for a week. Ross, however, has been gone completely, I like was. from the country. Yes, Ross, can you fill us in on where you were, how it was, and uh, how much sleep you've gotten since you've gotten back?
2: So we have a, our church has a a partnership with an organization called One Child Matters. And if you don't know what that is, you should definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very unique in the fact that um, you sponsor children. um, So it's very familiar with other organizations that way. But your church will sponsor children at one area. So they usually do child development centers Mm -hmm. and uh, churches will help, you know, either build them if they're not there or help, um, in other ways, if, if they have that. And it's usually partnered with a local church and you're working with a local pastor. So it's much more of a relationship type thing. So this past week we had actually two teams go and I went uh, with a team to the Philippines. Um, and it's, Probably about the third or fourth time we've had Plum Creek represented there, first time I've been there. And then we had another group go to Honduras where I've been twice. Um, and so yeah, Philippines is quite a bit of travel to get there. Um, you know, the two hours to LA, then the 15 hours to, to Hong Kong, and then the two and a half hours to Cebu, then the three hour va- van ride up to a boat that's an hour across to the island is a little taxing. So Wow. Yeah. Did you say say boo yes, <laughs> I did. Cebu, and the island itself is a mile long and high, half a mile
0: wide. Wow! So it's and, a very uh, small island. You got back just this morning, like you were recording. Uh, two a.m.
2: my time. Yeah. So,
0: yeah.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: That'd be four a.m. your
0: guys's time. That is crazy, Emily. What is, what have you been doing for the past two weeks?
1: Well, basically, I've just been reliking the post you put on my Facebook page, like every day, <laughs> about uh, Oreo's new flavor. Just saying. Yes.
3: Um,
1: <laughs> but outside of uh, Oreo new flavors, you posting that, people texting me, I have been. I don't even know what I've been doing the last two weeks. I've missed recording with you guys. Um, I, don't, I genuinely. You were
0: you were in the the. Were you in the Keys or where were you in Florida? You were on the beach for like oh, a week, though.
1: Yes. Okay. So every year, see, I've just, I forgot. It was so much fun. Um, <laughs> every year, my family goes to Sanibel Island, and normally it's beautiful. This trip, however, it rained, like, the whole trip. Oh, so if you're nice. planning a Florida trip, that's kind of sad, but I caught up on a bunch of Netflix stuff, oh, there you read go. some good books. Um yeah, it was a really it was a really good trip. And then this past Friday, I feel like you two will be super proud of me. So I learned how to fish for like oh, the first time congratulations. ever, and I caught a shark. I
2: congratulations! Saw the picture. I,
0: I know did not see the I picture. held a
1: shark. It's yeah. so weird.
0: That's nuts. Yes, that's I've,
1: that's my claim to fame. The last two weeks, I caught. I'm a shark. not a big
0: fisher person, so I don't, I don't. Uh, congratulations <laughs> 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 it was
1: really fun yeah. really really cool. fun
0: that's awesome now what's weird is because you texted me just before that happened and we got a tropical depression yeah. sub depression I don't know what they call it uh, it was like what was the name of that I can't even remember um, but we we got yeah. that and it was supposed to rain the entire time and so like, I had a plan yep. my sister was in town we were going to go for like a few days and just go to Disney it did not rain at all here like at all Like it was clear skies the entire time. We went to the beach, no rain. I was like, this is awesome. Emily prepared me for nothing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, stay in Central Florida where you're safe from hurricanes.
1: But then you miss out on the tropical oasis of Sanibel Island. (laughs) Nick, come on. That
0: is true. Where is Sanibel Island in relation to us?
1: Okay. It's near Fort Myers in Naples. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. My favorite part. I was down there a few weeks ago. Yeah.
1: You literally have to drive across a causeway to get to the island. And once you get onto island time, it's like, ditch your car. You don't need it anymore. You just ride a bike everywhere or walk Mm, everywhere. It's very slow paced, which is awesome because my life is not slow paced. And um, it's just, it's it's normally beautiful and a sunny paradise. And this time it rained, but that's okay.
0: I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, (laughs) Despite your rain, we do have a great show planned for everyone today. Um, a little later, we're joined. We're going to be joined by Levi Lusco. Uh, Levi is the pastor of Fresh Life Church, a multi-site church in Montana, uh, Utah, and Oregon and Wyoming. And uh, we, he and I, had an amazing conversation the other day, and we're excited to share that with you. Um, next up, though, is quips. Uh, welcome to quips. Each week we dive into the headlines, articles, conversations that are making their rounds on the internet that are important to us and that we feel is impacting church, culture, or creators. And we discuss, Emily, what do you have for us this week?
1: So I read this fascinating article in Fast Company when one writer went from barely reading to trying to plow through literally a book a day. and he tried More, to power, read-
0: to More yeah. power to him. More power to him.
1: His goal was to read 30 books in 30 days
0: what mm-hmm. have now you guys we, ever that tried that no. we talked a little bit uh back in january about this just not not about this particular writer but we talked about reading books and uh i remember setting a goal that i was going to read a book a month for the next 12 yeah. months i i have to say i honest truthful did not do that at all <laughs> have Not have not accomplished that uh, at all so um, i've many... read a lot of half of books but not a whole book so so you mm, just sorry.
1: stop halfway through
0: uh typically yes, I'll get a little bored and I'll and I'll change gears. Um or I or I have to speed read it. So I'm like skimming through like, you know, I, we interviewed Levi and so I went through and reread his books again. So it was okay. like a speed read. That wasn't like a real official okay. like I'm gonna sit down and read this. It was I'm gonna skim this and read this and get my points and everything. So yeah. So
1: did you finish any of them?
0: No. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm still okay. So I'm working on right now I have a book called The Disney War. And i've been working on it for like four months and it's huge though i mean that thing's like 1200 pages
1: is it about disney
0: and yes it's all about okay. um, michael eisner and uh, his transition um in the disney company and uh, how all that kind of played out but it's like small print uh single lined 1200 pages So. That's probably why things are going That's so slow That's what adulting
2: is like, Nick. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I just can't read. all. There's no pictures. Absolutely no pictures whatsoever. <laughs> no. It doesn't mean, read and, it to me. And, and it does not read it to me. I will say, though, most of the time I will. Um, the reason why it takes so long to read is I'll be reading something. I like to read a lot of nonfiction. So I'll be reading something. I'll see a line or I'll see something that they reference, and I have to go look it up immediately. Like, I, I want a visual for really? what they've referenced, you know. So, like they're describing anything i can't take the author's word for it i gotta go i gotta go see it That's or cool. you know like they were talking about uh different people um ironically the weinsteins were in this book and oh, i had to go look them up because i wanted huh. to see what they look like because he was describing uh what they look like and i had to go look them up so it takes me forever to read i'm sorry i could but, see uh, how
1: that would prolong the process just a little it bit it does
0: so 30 books 30 days that seems outrageous and Nick well, like, also go ahead.
2: prolonged ahead. the intro into emily's article <laughs> yeah. so no
1: well, this is interesting because it actually feeds into this writer's article. Did you guys know that twenty-seven percent, twenty-seven percent of Americans haven't read a single book in the last twelve months?
0: That's sad. That's crazy. Yeah,
1: that's according to Pew Research. I'm among research.
0: them, but that's sad. I actually but... liked
2: reading for pleasure after I got out of college. I was like, now I can read what I want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, one of the barriers that this writer identifies is that there are too many options. So sometimes you can feel like you don't know where to start mm. or like in Nick's case, you might start something and then get distracted or want to look something up or you lose interest halfway through and then you just toss it aside. Um, that's
0: a, that's interesting that they're blaming too many options.
1: Right? Well, literally, like, they said over, over 1,000 new books are published every single day. Like,
0: what? That's crazy.
1: That's a lot of books. Yes, so this writer basically solved that issue in his world by taking the stack of books that he had already accumulated but never read and started reading them. <laughs> Which, I mean, I I don't know if you guys are like this, but I have a shelf of books that I've mm-hmm. accumulated, people have given me, whatever, and I haven't touched them. And so that's kind of my area to start.
0: I have a huge shelf just full of books I have halfway written, read. So yeah. I understand. I get where you come from. I get where yeah. he's come from. So.
1: so essentially the whole end of the, this article that I found interesting was to make it a little bit more attainable in reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lists a couple ideas for how to read more. Um, yeah. The first was just to keep it accessible. So keep books with you, easy to grabs. I usually keep a book in my car or a book like in the bag that I have. But sometimes, I mean, you might over plan time or whatever. And, and you instead of being bored or surfing Instagram for like, 10 pointless minutes seeing things I've already seen, I could read a couple pages in a book. Mm.
0: Um now I, I I kind of want to counter. So he said twenty seven percent of people
1: mm-hmm. have
0: not or have have not. Have not read a book in twelve months. So yeah. you, you still got a good majority reading books.
1: True. That's true. But
0: out of the younger people that are probably not reading books, do you think they're digesting a lot more internet content than they typically would? Like I read a ton yeah. of articles.
2: I, I That's like, true. Audibles and Kindle yeah. and all yeah. that.
1: That is a, a really good point. I think yeah, we so should maybe, uh, we should challenge Fast Company on this experimental yes, what's article. The,
2: what's the basis for this study?
1: It was just his own thing to see if he could read oh, so 30 just, books in, a, in 30 he just days. Did that? Yeah, awesome. and I think wow. like the, the base, though, he found was that 30 books was kind of, I mean, it was just a really challenging feat that he set himself up to fail a little bit. Oh, he didn't uh, do it?
0: He didn't make it? No, he didn't make it. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's How many That's one get? book a day. How many did he get? Um, Wait, okay, I need to find that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the interesting fact. He Sorry, didn't even make this. He read 12. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: He didn't get That's close. Not, not even close. That's not even halfway. Wow.
1: But 12 in one month is still pretty impressive. Is, I mean, yeah. don't yeah. get me wrong. True. I'm
0: impressed. I just, I'm surprised he didn't even get that close. Oh, it did also, you, does it have a list of what he read?
1: He read... <laughs> trying to look at... um One of them... No, he... 168 hours. You have more time than you think. Okay. Laura, Laura Vanderkin um
0: It's ironic that he read he has more time <laughs> than he thinks, and then didn't wind Which up finishing may have his sparked,
1: thirty. It may have sparked. Maybe
0: this. he may have um, thought he may have thought he had more time.
1: Okay. Here are a couple other ones. How to Be a Better Person by Kate Hanley.
0: That's a good book. Entrepreneurial
1: You by Dory Clark.
0: Never seen, Never heard of that one.
1: Get Off Your Acid by Doctor Daryl joffrey um no impact man colin beaven detroitland the boxcar children (laughs) that's a kids book
0: that's that is a child hold up the kids book he read the kids book that counts i guess so okay well this changes the game completely (laughs) i can do 30 kids books yes in a month so i don't understand what his problem was i could do 30 kids books
1: See, okay, when I referenced that I was at Sanibel Island earlier in the mm-hmm. show, I read five, 6 books in a week. Oh, wow. But I'm literally just sitting and reading the whole day. So yeah, I mean, yeah. that's attainable. If you have like a full-time job and a family and all that other stuff going on, I mean, that's a that's a hefty goal. Um, yeah, it is. I personally set before this year started one book a month. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was attainable, read a little bit every day or every week, whatever. And I've been able to find, I've been able to average more like two books a month. So I've been able to beat my goal. Um, and then there's some months that are just off because I'm on vacation and I can yeah. read more because I have more time. Mm. Um, but I, I think it was interesting just seeing his reminder that we do have time for what we want to do. Yeah. Um, but to just read, whether that's a book or as you, you know, shared, Nick online articles ebooks mm-hmm. or ross mentioned listening to a book on audible or podcasts like the creative church podcast yeah. you
0: know Ooh, so, that was very meta that was good good you. job Thanks, that was a good promo. <laughs> well I, I kudos to him kudos to him kudos to the article great yeah. that was awesome now i want to switch gears completely oh, oh Ross, right, did you have something
2: to say well i was just going to say like one of the things that even as a parent you think of like you want to model reading for your kids as well so you you do you do have to be mindful of like okay instead of being bored and like you said emily scrolling through instagram or something and while the kids are playing like yeah just just block out some time and say okay you know guys this is the time that i'm going to read my book if you want to read something or do something like you can read along with me or something you know do something like that like eventually when they get a little older i want to read through some books like a chapter a night or something when they That's awesome. you know are able to understand more but yeah it's 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 something i've been thinking about not just for my personal development but how it how it will affect my children so
0: and it does affect your children it's interesting you should say this cuz i actually read an article um and keeping up mind guys i digest a lot of content but uh focus on the family mm-hmm. uh actually produced an article uh about how reading to your kids even as they get older is such an important value that a family should have Yeah, That's interesting that you say it actually affects their learning and uh, helps them to become better readers themselves as they get older. So that's awesome that you have that goal, Ross.
1: Um, Going off of that quickly, my dad (laughs) actually did that, Ross. And uh, so when my sister and I were little, he literally would have us read and write him book reports on what we learned in the book. And when we did that, we would earn like whatever toy we had wanted or whatever. He always just preached like readers are leaders and leaders are readers. And (laughs) so I think it's easier for me now as an adult to read because I have instilled the habit that reading is a positive thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. I remember I remember that when the scholastic uh, red chess would come out at school, Mm -hmm. middle school and stuff. And I got so excited because I was like, I get to go pick out some new books and and uh goosebumps were always my favorite so um i spent a lot of time in my summers i have family in oklahoma and i could read i would i would get two books each time scholastic came and i know that would last me for one trip because i could read one on the way down and one on the way
0: back
1: that's
2: yeah.
0: awesome so that was awesome i missed that big red uh case the big, that red, had, yeah, the whatever. big red Big red bookshelf i remember clifford was there clifford would always come i I, that was my favorite part um and that's that's where i picked up reading was from this classics book fair um miss those guys uh but anyway i have an article for you guys um it's gonna be old news by the time this podcast released but i had to bring it i just had to um something was like you have to do this nick and uh, that is the fact that ihop has temporarily changed their name
2: yeah see here's the thing i leave the country
0: i leave the country
2: and over in the Philippines at McDonald's, they have spaghetti What? and yes. all this stuff. And then I come back and here IHOP is doing burgers. And Dennis <laughs> Rodman is now like our foreign correspondent. With Korea. Like, I don't know what's going on, man. I leave for a week and y'all are going we,
0: crazy. We couldn't do it without you. We really, we really, our hands were, our hands were tied. We didn't know what to do. Um, but IHOP has changed its name temporarily to IHOP. <laughs> um a i h o b the b of course standing for as ross alluded to burgers Yum. um i thought it was an interesting marketing move Okay, I wait, just how
1: temporary is this nick is it like
0: okay they haven't said how <laughs> okay. yet. uh they they have changed a couple stores to actually have the iHOB branding
1: okay
0: um but it, they did state it was going to be a temporary marketing move so i don't know if it's gonna be like a year six months might be a month i don't know so uh they just said it was going to be temporary. So now, real quick, do you guys go to IHOP? No.
3: I
1: rarely did.
0: Okay, I'm more like, of a villagin man. See, I, I, I like Villagen. I like their pies. Um, I rarely go to IHOP. But when I do, it was weird that this happened because I always get the burger. Really? Like, I've been getting the burger at IHOP for years.
1: Okay. I didn't even know you could already order burgers at
0: IHOP. Yes. Yep, you can already order burgers at IHOP. And, and that's why they're doing this, Emily.
1: Oh, so people <laughs> like Emily know you can buy more than pancakes. Yeah, so
0: now you know you can buy more than pancakes. Um, well, they've introduced a new line of steak burgers, which uh, is one of the reasons. But yeah, you can already get these burgers yum. at IHOP.
1: I'm and so I, hungry.
0: I, for one, will say, okay, burgers from IHOP, not that bad. They're pretty yeah? good. Yeah, I like them.
1: What kind of burger did you get?
0: it's just a cheeseburger okay. it's nothing fancy it's pretty good it's, a, it's okay it's pretty good
1: so wait okay. what's the best burger you've ever had like what restaurant should i go oh, to?
0: oh dang that's wow come back to me <laughs> <laughs> i gotta think about that one that's that's a hard
1: okay, one what about you ross
2: um i'm trying to remember where it was yeah it's been in the past few years if i remember i'll let you know
1: okay
0: okay so i i do have mine okay. it was um there's a burger place in tulsa called fat guys okay and uh, yes you've oh you've had it, yes. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. Fat guys is delicious. And they have mm-hmm. this thing called the Fat Guy Burger that's that's stuffed with cheese. And you have to be careful when you eat it because if you eat it wrong, it'll explode. I've I've ruined many a shirt. Uh having Wait, that you thing don't have that in Orlando? Me. No, it's only it's, there's only two of them, and they're both oh, in Tulsa and Brokener. Okay. So But they that are matcha. delicious.
1: Um the best burger I've had is Shake Shack, hands down. Hmm. Oh yeah. I love. You yeah, have one of those Shack. in
0: Orlando. Yes, not, you I've do. I've not had Shake Shack.
1: Yet. It's so good. Come to Orlando ASAP. Yeah, it is.
0: It okay. is pretty good. It, I now, <laughs> now, Ross, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm want to push back a little bit. It's probably not as good as Fat Guys.
3: Uh, oh, okay. It is
0: up there as far as Orlando burgers go. I would have to say it's probably one of my top ones, but okay. Fat Guys would probably still be fair enough.
2: A, yeah, I totally. Yeah, I, I totally to because no it was that so. trip when I was at uh, Seeds Conference that we had that burger and it was quite yeah. delicious it's quite delicious
0: emily i'm sorry for trumping your shake jack it is good it's okay it is i good. haven't
1: I, tried fat guys
2: so it I is can't, good that's
0: true yeah I if know. you tried it you would know um but anyway uh there you have it up next is our interview with levi Lusco. This week's featured interview is with Levi Lusco. Levi is the author of the best-selling book, Through the Eyes of a Lion, and his newest title, Swipe Right. He is also the pastor of Fresh Life Church, a multi-site church in Montana, Utah, Oregon, and Wyoming that he and his wife, Ginny pioneered in 2007. He takes pleasure in small things such as black coffee, new shoes, fast internet, and falling asleep in the sun. Here is part of our conversation with Levi Lusco. pastor of Fresh Life in Montana. Can you tell me a little bit about your story and uh, why Montana?
3: Yeah, well, my wife and I, uh, we just wanted to start a church. Uh, We felt that kind of call uh, 11 years ago, and we really didn't know where that was going to be. We were living in Southern California at the time. We thought maybe there we've always loved big cities and um, especially, you know, ocean, um, and Montana has, has neither. So it makes sense that God would send us here because it was the least likely destination for us to start. Uh, but we've just fallen in love with uh, the Rocky Mountains and the whole kind of Pacific Northwest. And now we're, we have a church uh, from Oregon to Utah and then Montana and Wyoming. And, you know, ma- the mountain lifestyle and smaller towns uh, predominantly is where we we're at. And we just, God really. Uh, gave us a burden and a, a call to this region
0: about how long ago was it whenever you guys launched fresh life so
3: that was january of 2007 so this okay. this is 11 this will be a, a 12 years in coming up in uh in january
0: oh awesome now um i kind of want to go back to that a little bit um back to launching a church can you think back 11 years for me i can <laughs> perfect that's awesome i figured you would it feels um, like it was
3: just yesterday most times
0: perfect then we're this is going to get a really good real quick um now i wanted to ask is there much difference launching a church in montana say as opposed to like orlando or la
3: you know at the end of the day i think people are people and obviously you have to know your region know know the market but um in this day and age uh with with you know we launched the church right as facebook and twitter were about to start there was no iphone so it was a different era and you couldn't buy you know instagram ads uh so i think but nowadays if i was planning a church i don't think my strategy would be much different from orlando to salt lake city because you know you're relying on google adwords and instagram buys and facebook you know um as the predominant way you're getting the communication out there you know so i i I don't think uh the exact part of the country you're in factors in all that much now
0: whenever you uh I Know a little bit about you because I've read your books and things. Um, you were 23 years old, is that correct?
3: Sounds about right. Sounds uh, about right. No, it's 36. I'm 36 now, so I'd be 24, 25, 24, 24,
0: yep. 25. Okay, so um, planting a church at that age, um, I'd say that's about the mid range age of our listener base. So I'd be interested to know if there are any challenges or obstacles that you might have faced, uh, when planting that church, that age, that young? Yeah,
3: I would say definitely there were some obstacles, um, but at the same time, those also worked in our favor. So, you know, being so, so? young, well, you know, because they say your average ministry base is going to be five years in, on either direction of where you are. Most pastors, if you take the the average age of the person in their church, it's going to be five years above or below their age. Now, um, that's, I, I don't know, science is behind that but that's what i've always heard that's going to be your sweet spot anyhow um so we had a real easy time really reaching young people you know we we which is most churches struggle to reach young people we found that in our wheelhouse right away high schoolers college age 20s and um so you know in, in that sense we kind of developed the reputation um, however painful it is to even say these words as kind of being the rock and roll church or the edgier kind of church. And, and so I, you know, what could have been perceived as uh, a liability kind of was an asset in developing a reputation as being a place where young people wanted to be.
0: As you've gotten older now, you're 36, correct? Yep. So have you seen that you know five years below, five years above? Has that changed as you have gotten older, or well, I would say, has it remained the same?
3: Well, I, you know, I would say our church is obviously aging. You know, people uh, who came in at 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 twenty five are obviously thirty now, or or thirty five, or whatever. So now we're having to be more intentional about how we're reaching young people, and and uh, we we've re- I God softened some of God has softened so- softened some of our edges in the sense of you know, we never were trying to alienate older people, but we've been more intentional about making sure they feel included because the church at its best should be multi-generational.
0: And um, whenever you say intentional about including older people, how have you guys been intentional about doing that?
3: Well, I think just from, from the preaching to uh, the stories we're putting on stage, you know, we're not just highlighting, you know, a 22 year old uh, urban outfitters model in all of our stories. We're telling stories about those who are at different seasons of life and and even just letting that be reflected in, um, in in our staff. We have people on a staff of different ages. And then as well as, uh, you know, who you're going to see on a platform. Uh, it's not just all, you know, 19-year-old angsty worship leaders. You know, we have different different seasoned people in, in different roles.
0: Can you kind of catch everyone up now? What's the What's been the growth like? Um, I know you said planted uh, 11 years ago, but what's been the growth like at Fresh Life? uh, since then.
3: Yeah. I mean, we, we started, uh, with 14 people above a bar in the middle of winter in the middle of nowhere and no plan, no big master scheme, uh, just wanted to reach people for Jesus. And, uh, so now 11 years later, we're meeting in 12 cities, um, in four States with a TV broadcast that reaches around the world and web, web, web streamed, uh, churches, services that are watched you know just about every state and countries all over the place and so that's kind of been the the scale and then as you mentioned the books that have gone out we've had two that have by god's grace become bestsellers and just seen ministry resonate with people in different places
0: i want to dive into a little bit of your leadership journey um what was your background before launching a church
3: so i was a, a youth pastor first and then i was oh, okay. a creative pastor after that and then um i was a, a teaching pastor but right before we started the church
0: So, uh, how have you handled that as a leader, as you've grown into the 12 locations from 14 people, how have you, how have you grown as a leader and how do you continue to grow?
3: That's a great question. The, The thing I tell new parents is you don't have to worry about a third grader because God gives you a baby that weighs eight pounds and you're a parent of an eight pound baby, just like they're an eight pound human. And you guys get to grow into this together. And I think the thing that I, part of the reason we knew intuitively, um, that the church plant was so good for us was that we knew that the church was going to grow as lead as on a leadership journey, just like we were. So, you know, Jenny and I didn't have to worry about pastoring a church of, of a hundred people when there were only 14 and we got to grow just like the church did. And I heard someone say that, you know, when you start something new, uh, the, the most important time really in, in the sense of figuring out culture, DNA and and all that is your first decade. And, our first decade was a definite cocoon from our leadership. In a lot of ways, I feel like we're just beginning now with the mistakes and the successes of the first decade in place, and we're really positioned to see kind of a um, something beautiful and vibrant come out now. Um, and I'm so thankful. You know, most pastors move on two years, three years. They they don't make it long enough in in one location to really make a difference. And had we gotten itchy or bailed out when things were hard, I, I shudder to think of what would have been short circuited in our development because of just the the power of staying in one place long enough to actually make a difference.
0: Whenever you're, you talk about that development, um, what were some of those successes and mistakes that you made? Like, give me, give me just like a, a top list, like a headliner.
3: Oh, man. Well, I mean, how long do you have because the failure list, you know, I think the biggest failure uh, is, is, is always going to come back down in my world uh, to relationships, to stewarding influence, to handling betrayal, all of those things, uh, you know, as far as the programming decisions and strategic real estate choices, uh, hiring people, I, I, you know, a lot of a lot of it comes down to hiring people too quickly. Uh, and being too slow to fire, I think you know. Really, you should be you should be slow to hire, fast to fire. Uh, in in the sense of um, it, the easy bad leadership mistake is to to hire quickly and then you know to let problem people stay in the roles too long. Um, so th- those would be some of the top mistakes. Uh, how do you
0: how do you how do you identify problem people?
3: Well, I think predominantly it comes down to a culture. You know, once you've identified the culture you want uh when you have cultural saboteurs they're damaging everybody and i think the easiest way uh to hurt the cause is to allow someone who's got a heavy talent to remain in a role they shouldn't be in because they're they're not bought in culturally or when it comes to behavior but you kind of turn a blind eye to them because they're so good perhaps they're a rock star, you know, sound engineer or a video editor, but they're, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, uh, really bought in they're just kind of prostituting. Uh, it, it hurts everybody. I'd, I'd rather have someone with lower talent, but higher passion and malleability. Um, and, uh, and, and cause you know, you can help them develop some of the, the skills. Whereas if they're not, if their heart's not there, you can't put in what, what they've left out in that way.
0: Just I'm interested from a leadership perspective like how are you how are you identifying this person's not locked in culturally? Like some people just have you know poor attitudes or they just have a a Sour outlook on life. Maybe they they're they may they might look like they're not bought in culturally, but they are or how do you? identify? Yeah, but see
3: what you just said is some people just have a sour attitude in life I don't I don't I mean that's like saying some people just have a bad marriage You know, it's like you have to choose to the right behavior and so, someone with a quote-unquote sour attitude is—I would say that is someone who's choosing the wrong choices. And um, the only way to know what's in someone's heart is what comes out of their tongue, and what's what's put off by their their body language. So you know, someone who is you know kind of resistant, and someone who's uh, you know kind of critical, someone who's you know uh, rushing in with problems, not a can-do person. You know, to me, those are those are telltale signs of a deeper problem. You know, and I'm not saying you're not going to want to investigate and talk and challenge and call them to a higher level. But when you know, for example, you've you've identified what are the behavioral values of a team, whether it's graphics or anything you're trying to to do, and someone is you know always kind of resistant and naysaying, you know, what they they it, it's it's proven fact that there's as much of a 40% decrease on a team where there's a bad apple. And so I think when you, 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 you're leading in the way that you reward, but you're also leading in what you don't correct. And, uh, you you know, to get mafia, uh, you, when you teach one, when you do, when you, when you deal with one, you teach a hundred because you're saying, Hey, we believe this culture enough to where we're going to kind of be crazy about it. And I think Patrick Lencioni, you know, does so well in, you know, the ideal team. Uh, behavior in his writing about how when you when you say to someone look you're you're super talented but you know you're you're flying in the face of the culture that we're all trying to fight for it's above what we're a part of is bigger than any one of us um and and you do that and you actually deal with it you're telling everybody hey this we actually care about this
0: yeah that's that's incredible now um i do want to move into your successes a little bit what are some of the successes that you could highlight uh throughout your journey Well,
3: oh, i'd say uh the success the biggest successes has been unleashing the right people um so the, with the, watching the warriors and watching uh the, the Cavs last night the, the narrator said and it just struck me he said he said when the warriors aren't playing very well they can still win but if lebron's not playing well they have no chance so that's a lot more pressure on LeBron than on the Warriors. And I was just struck by how much I don't want our team to be the Cavaliers. I don't want to have one strong person who, if they're not, if, you know, if, if if one worship leader or one campus pastor or, you know, or myself or whoever isn't functioning well, that everything's shot because all of our eggs are on one person. I want to be the Warriors where it's a whole unleashed team of people all skillfully doing what they're called to do, whether administratively or design or, whatever so that even if we're having a bad day as a team we're still crushing uh because we're not putting all our eggs in one basket so my biggest success would be i would say you know, finding the right people and uh and and, and let, releasing them into their calling and seeing them uh, do what god's called them each to do and over the years it's been amazing to watch that process take place
0: do you have a process for identifying people that are that would be uh, exceptional for uh, coming into your team?
3: Definitely. Uh, it's always being evaluated and I would say how we onboard new people and what we use, what filter we use to, uh, select the right, the the people that hopefully are right is there's nothing that we give greater attention to and is constantly being fiddled with because, um, you know, it, it is so important that you have a process that, um, doesn't reject people who are diamonds in the rough, and uh is extensive enough to where you actually kind of push people and get them off their heels everyone comes into an interview on their toes uh so you have to design the process to intentionally let, get them to drop their guard but for us it's it's it, every part of it is being scrutinized how they uh carry themselves we we talk to their spouses you know trying to figure out um is this a, is it not just is this person a rock star but are they a team player and uh you know are they going to go um uh, how how are they going to handle critique how are they going to handle all those things because coachability is just as important as ability
0: um so i just going back to a little bit about your evaluation process you said get them off their toes um or get them off their heels how do you how do you guys what 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 kind of environment do you create to do that
3: yeah so i mean what we we, we first of all do it in multiple arenas it's not just one sit down um you know interview it's it's, it's, um, on the fly stuff. It's putting them into a role for a little while, uh, maybe, maybe on a weekend, just as a, even as a volunteer and observing, 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 changing things around last minute, um, intentionally, um, you know, m- messing with the plan a little bit. We just really try. And then comparing notes, um, from my lead team, they conduct primarily our interviews and they're trying to intentionally, um, you know, expose cracks, see what's going on, try and get, get beneath the veneer of here's, you know, the, the sales, uh, just like in a dating relationship, you know, I, a couple should intentionally throughout the dating and engagement be trying to see how this person responds when they don't get their way, how they respond when they're, you know, are they going to sulk back to their parents? or they, do they, they spend when they're emotional? I th- and I think it's not perfect for us, but we're definitely trying harder to get through the, you know, the veneer of here's, here's what I want the world to see me as. And it does help that we almost exclusively hire from within. So we're able to observe people in a volunteer capacity for as long as we need to. You know, we're not bringing in Mr. Outside Hire, you know.
0: Would you always recommend that over or hiring from within over hiring from outside or is it a balance?
3: I would say there are obviously in my world are certain respects that um, would cause you to almost um, need to deviate from the standard the hard mm-hmm. line that you take right. you know from the sense of uh, but but we were we would rely on those specialty trades more on a contract basis you know if we're bringing mm-hmm. someone into mix to to design a room for sound or whatever um i would way rather have a contract thing for a season than um then then have a long-term arrangement with someone who's a, a a foreigner from a cultural perspective right but uh so i would say for us um almost to it almost to a T the, the inside hire is our our, our our first choice.
0: Right. Okay. So now I want to dive into and kind of switch gears a little bit. Now your church, fresh life, you guys have an artistic bent. Um and uh can you tell me whether that's something you've put as a value or is that something maybe the team around you has put it as a value and you've kind of just uh, become assimilated into that.
3: Well, I mentioned that I I grew up um in, in my pastoral art journey as part of it was a creative. Um, and I always have had a passion for it. My mom's an artist. Um, when I was a youth pastor, I was taking Photoshop classes and, you know, kind of, cause I just liked that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the sound, the feel, the design, uh, that, that is something I enjoy, you know, where, you know, pastor Steven Furtick is a, a musician, so he's going to put more, uh, attention into songwriting. Where, for me, it, how the series art looks is as important to me as the message that's being communicated. So, I I give more time to that probably just because it's something I actually like.
0: And you guys do a phenomenal job of it at Fresh Life. I really
3: mean, do. Oh, thank you, really you do. so much. I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I, I sometimes I just go there for inspiration, like we were talking about before, before the podcast uh, in your six ship series. Um, but I wanted to ask is there any time now, now that you've grown, you've had, you obviously have creatives on your team, right?
3: Oh, yeah, we have we have an, an extraordinary team.
0: And are you overseeing those creatives more or you, have you kind of stepped away and let that be uh, done by other people?
3: Both. Um, okay. I, I get I get in the mix because, like I said, it doesn't intersect with my role. So mm-hmm. I have a creative director who's over that and then an art director and then, you know, different assets, um, some freelance, some within the church um, that we work with, but, uh, I definitely, I'll call our art director up. Hey, here's six ideas I have for some upcoming series. It could be as simple as I'm walking through the streets of a London, you know, uh, alley, and I see a restaurant that's called rock and soul. Of course, soul is a plan word because it's a fish. And I say, I, I, t- I call her up, Hey, I want to do a series called rock and soul, except spelled S O U L instead of S O L E. And, So, you know, we're collaborating on that or I'll tell her three or four different ideas. And then what she'll do is she'll put together mock-ups, maybe two or three directions for each uh, series and send them my way. And sometimes I'll like the art so much, I'll actually change what I'm preaching because of something that's come out from that. So it's collaborative, Uh, we'll come together, we'll look at storyboards. We obviously use, you know, Basecamp and the different tools that are available to critique art and come up with suggestions and revisions, et cetera. But it's, it's a collaborative process.
0: I guarantee you that statement that you said, uh, I'll change my sermon to fit the artwork. I guarantee you half of our audience right now is supremely jealous of, of having her wanting of your creative director wanting a leader like you. Because I think a lot of times um, creatives clash with their leaders um, on what they think they need to do. Um, and I wanted to ask from your perspective as a leader, do you guys ever clash creatively with your creative director or how, how does that look for on your end?
3: Nah, not really. I mean, because everyone's, all of us really, our, our heart is the best. So, I mean, uh, I think what you have to do is you have to shift to a role where your ego is not in the driver's seat. And the easiest thing in the world is to only care about your thing. Like, but it, when you have a mentality that says, no, we, we all want the same thing, we want the service to really, we want it to move the atmosphere. And if my idea or someone's thought or whatever, like I'll tell, I'll come, like we'll be talking in a room and I'll say, here's this idea for video, but please don't make my idea because it was mine. If, if there's other ideas and there's a better one, go with that one. You know, like I don't want it to be a thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, pastor said this, blah, blah, blah. And so therefore it's automatically given a higher weight. So I'll, I'm intentional about saying, don't make this idea if a better one comes up. And, you know, and I think that that kind of mentality allows there to be a sense that says, Hey, this is truly a team. And, you know, obviously if I feel strongly enough about something, I can say, no, I really want it to be like this, but I I try and use those sparingly so that there is not a sense of, if you if you if you squish people down in that way, eventually your best and your brightest are going to go somewhere else where they can truly use their skills.
0: So, in your opinion, what is the ideal relationship between um, a leader and their creative pastor?
3: Well, I mean, I think it really depends on your band. You know, if yeah. uh, I I have friends who actually don't really care about the art, don't notice it, don't run their own social media feeds. That's just not their thing. Whereas, um, so I think you need to know what you're skilled at. And I think you you should always have a mentality like Andy Stanley says to outsource your weaknesses and, and focus on your strengths. you're not doing anyone any favor by trying to be well-rounded. So if you do the few things you do really well and then delegate the rest, everyone wins. Um, and so I guess you gotta know yourself, you gotta know your team and try and unleash everybody to do what God put in their heart to do.
0: I'm gonna ask you another question kind of on the same bend what is the ideal relationship a church should have with the arts?
3: Well, I I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I think uh, predominantly, I think um, the arts within the church is one side of that conversation, and it should be excellent. It should be focused. It should be all, you know, pointing to Jesus and and all that. But then I think the arts outside of the church, I think should be um, approached with a mentality that says, something's great art, not because it has a Christian fish painted on it or a verse etched at the bottom, but because it's just great art. You know, I I always think of this conversation where someone came to CS Lewis and said, I I love your, I love your Christian books. And he said, excuse me, my books, my books aren't Christians. They're just books. Uh, They don't have a soul. They're not going to go to heaven. They're not going to go to hell. They just, they're just books. And I think the mentality is like a Christian who makes art or a Christian who makes film or a Christian who, you know, does a website it's not Christian or not. They're a Christian. They're going to make something and it should stand or fail on whether it's good and whether it's beautiful and whether it moves those who see it and it's intuitive and in it's design. So I, I believe, you know, we've all been created by a creator in order to create. And every one of us has within us, even the mentality of, I'm going to do Excel spreadsheets, but it's going to be so well done. It's a created thing. And uh, it, should, it should inspire people around them you know, to want to do their part of it in a more creative way because of what they're seeing.
0: To find out more about Levi and to read the rest of our interview with him, visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Welcome to Reply All. Each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer online in our Creative Church group on Facebook. Uh, last week we asked, what are the songs on your Mount Rushmore? These are the top four songs that have really made an effect uh, on your life or the ones that you really, really enjoy. Here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading.
2: Uh, Josue says that, so will I literally changed my perspective. Do it again and oh, come to the altar and you are everything by Matthew West.
0: Those are some solid choices there. Hizwai. Those, are some, those mm-hmm. are some very solid choices. Have you guys heard So Why? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's I wonder so which good. one, I wonder which version he's talking about. Ooh, we need some clarification. Ah, there. yes. Mm-hmm. So hit us back up and tell us what version you're talking about. Emily, what do you got?
1: Uh, Brandon says Reckless Love, Star Wars opening <laughs> theme.
0: My man.
2: Yeah, those are, those uh, are about tied for first. I can understand man. that. My man.
1: <laughs> Wait, so is Reckless Love the Star Wars opening theme? no no wait you've not heard reckless
2: love
0: whoa hold (laughs) up hold up you You haven't heard heard reckless Reckless love
1: Love? how does it go
0: oh god um
2: (laughs) do you look it (laughs) up on youtube right uh, now. how does it go
0: reckless uh wow
1: reckless
0: reckless love of god oh yeah.
1: okay got it yeah. i thought maybe it was like the same thing as the star wars got the it v- no.
0: reckless okay. love the bethel version is by far one of my favorites
1: okay i'm tracking so you
0: guys there's a cory as asbury ber- version which yeah. is which is pretty good it's a very popular one it's a, it's the popular one but then the bethel version i just feel like they just hit it they hit it they every do time. good things yeah
1: okay he also says after the storm by mumford and sons Mm. and your hand in mind by explosions in the sky
0: mm. now jonathan mom he answered and i had to applaud his answers because he was one of the only people on this list that really didn't pick all christian songs mm. so uh I'm as any give honest person would <laughs> yeah, right right uh jonathan said in the air tonight mm. by phil collins one time by our suit i don't I actually know that song so i'm, I'm sorry I, I have no reference for that one uh april come she will by simon gar and garfunkel and uh ooh, that's a hard word to say so we'll let you go read that on the creative <laughs> church group uh, i'm not August gonna try DeMarco? to marco uh, there you go ross just said it by smoke city there you have it yep that one that one was it i can't read <laughs> uh anyway so uh if you want to answer you want to get into that conversation you can do so by heading over to our creative church group uh, while Ooh. we were gone, I forgot to tell everyone, while we were gone, I changed the name from Creative Talks to Creative Church. Mm-hmm. Um, branding. Branding, exactly. The reason why, we we trademarked Creative Church. We own that trademark. Uh, we don't own the trademark to CRTV, though, and I wanted to drop uh, us putting CRTV in front of things and people thinking that was our branding. Our branding is Creative Church. So, if you want to answer, you can do so. Just head over to the Creative Church group. That's CRTV Church. Now, this week, we're not going to do a reply all, and the reason for that is uh, we're actually going to record uh, next week's episode as soon as we get done. Like we're just we're just going to literally hit stop and hit record again and go again, so and that then we Ross can. Ross is taking a nap, right? Yep. and Then Ross is taking a nap, and so, Emily's um,
1: going to go find a burger,
0: and I, I'm going to head out, <laughs> and I'm going to head out on vacation. So yeah, so we're, we're just recording right back to back. So um, there are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Crave Church podcast. First. You can subscribe and ask your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com.
2: And you can review this podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure. And the more people that find us, can join Nick as he reads picture books for a month.
0: <laughs> that's a new podcast in Creative Church Podcast yes. Network next month. Nick yeah. reading picture books. Nick reading picture books. So make gonna... picture, uh, the little doggy <laughs> lost his way. So good. Uh, red fish, blue fish, yellow fish, two fish. Um, anyway, last, lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can find us on social media by searching our handle Creative Church. That's one word, CRTV church special thanks to Levi for joining us today you can check out all that he's doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com in the meantime I'm Nick Goodner I'm Ross Montgomery
1: and I'm Emily Cummins
0: and we will see you next episode for listening to this week's episode of the creative church podcast for more information visit us at creativechurch.com that's crtvchurch.com you can also find us on twitter instagram and facebook at creative church also don't forget to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer on the creative church podcast network